All right. Hello. Thank you, everyone. Welcome to the I Hate the Antichrist podcast. This is your host, Awe. I'm with Voluntary Dom here on Twitter. How is it going, Dom? Oh, it's going great, man. Uh, I'm having a pretty solid day so far, I would say. That's awesome. That's awesome. Glad to hear. Um, Awesome here as well. So thank you very much for coming on. I like to start my podcast with the same question for everyone. Uh, Who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing here? All right. So me, um, I go by Voluntary Dom on Twitter. My name is Dominic. I am from Tampa, Florida. I am an anarchist. And last year I became a Christian. And uh, in the time since then, God has done wonderful things in my life, has changed my heart, and I'm forever grateful. Yeah, absolutely. He he tends to do that. He, <laughs> the ability to just give something to him is, is very powerful, very good stuff. Well, thank you very much for hopping on. Um, one yeah. moment. Let me go to the next screen. So... What do you think of uh, is going to come in this podcast? I'm mostly going to be dropping memes, but what do you think is going to be happening? I don't know. <laughs> um, we're... <laughs> so we're going to talk about false profiteering, right? Yes. So um, the subject matter of the podcast today is false profiteering. So uh, false profits and the money that they get from it and how much damage they're doing to the (laughs) word and the way that we look to the world, our type of people. So um, first off, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, how you ended up becoming a Christian? Well, while being an anarchist. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting. So. Really, I would say it was because some events happened to my family that I really couldn't explain any other way other than God. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I, I was an atheist previously, but it, it just did not make sense anymore to me. Like, like God, I would say, you know, revealed himself to me. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have like a mystical experience or, uh, or did was it just like uh, an epiphany or... It was interesting because it was some things that really just could not be coincidences. Like, so my mom lived in Tampa and she now lives in Columbus, Ohio. But uh, her fiance at the time, husband now, lived in Columbus when my mom lost her job. And my mom happened to get a new job opportunity in Columbus without like telling anyone that her fiance wow. lived there. Like, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I was recording a podcast last night with Sherry Voluntary, and we brought up uh, – one second. I need a Jamie. Um, Jose Salvador Alvarenga. I don't know if you've ever heard of the extraordinary true story of survival at sea, but basically this gentleman was out on a fishing trip and uh, got stranded at sea, and he lived for 438 days. Oh, wow. He did not have any form of uh, – well, he ran out of supplies fairly quickly. I think he said two weeks or yeah. two months, something like that. And uh, after that, it was all God. It was all just – you know, in the mornings, God would put a uh, flying fish on the boat of his uh, – or on the bow of his boat. 
um, the, he would have rainwater fall in and there's a perfect spot where there was a small dip in the boat where rainwater would collect and he would have enough water to drink. Um, it's, wow. it's this incredible moment of he loses every, he loses everything he has brought with him to survive, but then God lets him survive and brings him everything he needs along the way. It's that story of letting go letting everything go to God and just trusting that God will take care of you one way or another, no matter what happens. It's the same sort of ideal idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Um, that being said for me, uh, the transformation happened the other way around. I was a Christian basically my whole life. Um, I ended up doubting for a while, um, became a little bit of an internet atheist and uh, got into drugs a little bit. I got into psychedelics, and that brought me back to Christianity, and I'm basically sober again, except for the occasional joint. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I ended up coming to uh, libertarianism because of my father um, and his small government teachings as a conservative, and then I just applied those more broadly. There you go. And it, it ended up making me a libertarian. And then, uh, you know, they say six-month pipeline from libertarian yep. to anarchist. <laughs> yep. How long did it take you? Um, I've always been kind of libertarian-leaning because my father is a libertarian. Actually, is on some days an anarchist, you could say. Nice, nice. But uh, one, once I got to, like, minarchism – yeah, six months to being anarchist. <laughs> yeah, does not take long. I mean, once you realize that there's no real way of getting the state's benefits without making a state, you just can't. And if you want to be consistent, you want to be a good person, you want to follow, you know, moral code, that's basically the only thing you can do. Yeah. It's full, full pipeline. So that being said, there are a lot of people who have uh, not – uh, been following the word properly. <laughs> um, many such cases. Many, many such cases. And uh, <laughs> so there's two angles we can go at this. I'll let you choose which order we do it in. We can start from the prosperity gospel guys and go on from there. Or we can start from the uh, Christo statists who say they're Christian, but they actually uh, worship the state. I'll let you. I'll let you pick. I don't know, because I feel like they both kind of come from the same place. They do. They do absolutely come from the same place. Um, one begets the other in both directions, actually, probably. I, I want, I'm I very interested in hearing your take on Prosperity Gospel, though. Oh, my God. They are, they're the worst. So I'll start off with, with Prosperity Gospel. So I actually, at one point, worked for a megachurch. Is that so? Yeah, so uh, not as a not in the liturgy or anything. It was in the uh, it was in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, there it, it was a mega church, so they basically have an entire campus, a gym, uh, school attached, and an attached uh, cafe with my mother as the five star chef who led it, and she taught me everything she knew. She got me a job there, and I worked for about year and a half, two years. Uh, cooking at Prestonwood Baptist is what it's called. Um, they're on TV. Um, so I got to be around them. And while I was there, I got to see just how deep into the hypocrisy it goes. Um, 
I actually ended up getting an, into a debate after I left that job with one of the pastors there about he was I, I told him, you know, we should not be having stuff like this cafe for profit. And like they were talking about getting a, a bank branch to move in so that you can get ATMs and everything in there. It was it was awful. Church bank. Yeah, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, church bank. No, thanks. <laughs> Um, they had a gift shop, very consumerist, very buy my stuff. And it's really just a worship me, idolatize, or I, I idolize this, uh, T shape and, uh, say you love God and God will give you money. <laughs> and, oh my God. Um, I have never seen somebody, so many people so taken back by the idea of the secret. Uh, it's basically the Christian version of quote-unquote the secret. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. Uh, the secret, it's a book by Rhonda Byrne. It's basically a selection of quotes from a bunch of celebrities, famous, successful people about the law of attraction. Okay. If you obsess about a thing and you think about it and you continue thinking about it and you think about it over and over and over every day, all day, you're eventually going to start making the steps to making that thing true. That's the secret. And prosperity gospel is essentially the same thing as the secret. It's just the difference is instead of just believe it, it's just give it to God. Huh. And they include that with all of the money of their parishioners. Uh. Yeah, so Jesus sort of puts out this this ideal of voluntary poverty yeah giving all you can um and these prosperity gospel types they say yeah give all you can but only give it to the give church it to us. <laughs> give it to us and us only oh my god the anger i got at that pastor and like you know jesus would flip your table right now very yeah. literally like he would be calling you a money counter he'd be telling you to get out of his father's house yeah. oh man so uh, have you had any particular run-ins with prosperity types i have not which is why i wanted to hear your opinion on the matter i i just know like what i've seen and heard about them i haven't like encountered them okay um well yeah some of these people i mean you're in the south you're in florida so i'm sure you'll see a decent amount of it but uh once you start getting more to texas you start seeing a lot more of it it gets way worse um they're they really are money counters and i i don't know about you but sometimes i look at motherfuckers i see people i see these these People who call themselves Christians walking around saying they love God, getting all this money from people. And then I look at their face. I'm just like, that's a demon, dude. Yeah, that's a demon. Like, oh, my God, where's where's this picture? Um, <laughs> yeah, let me let me show you this. This dude. This is Kenneth Copeland. This dude has something something I've, wrong. I've with heard him. of Kenneth Copeland. I've heard of him. Have you seen his face? <laughs> Sadly. Okay, so like you could show – I think I've, this joke has been somewhere before, but you could show that face to a thousand atheists, and you may not be able to make them believe in God, but you show them the face of Kenneth Copeland, and they will certainly begin believing in the devil. <laughs> yeah. 
demonic son son of a bitch with a pu with a punchable face Kenneth Kenneth Copeland uh takes from God's people gives little to nothing back other than you know basically a book by Rhonda uh Rhonda Sean or whatever her name was um it's it, it's sad and they Rhonda Byrne um they're uh it, it's sad they're just using psychology to manipulate good innocent christian people who are just trying to follow the word of god the way that yeah. they were raised to and the it's sad the way they were raised I, I think the problems run pretty deep and i think it's a problem that a lot of christians have and a lot of people in general have and it's kind of just a result of the way our society is that people just straight up idolize money yes everything's all about the dollar and people base their happiness on how much money they have. And that's really no way to live. And, and obviously, yeah. Jesus didn't base his happiness on how much money he had, right? Exactly. He said, render under Caesar's what is Caesar's. Render under God what is God's. A lot of people take that to be about taxes. But that's a very multifaceted verse. It's also it about your own personal attachments to that money. That's why God is saying, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. It's not your money, it's Caesar's money. It has Caesar's face on it. It's it's not something to remain attached to. It's not something to define yourself with. And it doesn't define you. What defines you is you. You going about your day-to-day -day life. You going about and taking care of yourself and your personal relationships and your personal needs. You taking care of that extremely close relationship with God. Um... And it's, it's all about that and these prosperity gospel people. They don't understand. Same thing with faith healing types. They're the same way, except probably worse because they kill people. Yeah. Um, ha have you had any run-in with uh, faith healer types? Or... No, I've, I've heard about them, but I haven't had any run-ins. Oh man, you're 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 pretty lucky as a relatively new Christian that you haven't run into most of most of the really awful stuff that that we can see out there that that really gives us a bad name yeah um let's see here so uh that being said what is what is your take on uh on money in the bible the attachment to money in the bible i just want to hear your what your thoughts are people really people really do idolize money it's and i I believe that it is wrong to idolize money and people, people treat money as their God. And even Christians are often guilty of this. They will, mm -hmm. they will base their lives not around God's love, but around money and their love of money. And even worse, they'll base their own no love of God around money, <sighs> which is, how do you even manage to pull that off? <laughs> How do you love God? Like, I understand using your money to give it to God and, you know, give as much as you can to God. But how can you? Yeah, money, money is a tool. It's not. Yes. It's not something that defines you, like you were saying. There's actually uh, my church said something really interesting. My church in Atlanta. I go to school in Atlanta. OK, um, nice. It said you either you either love people and use money or you love money and use people yes yes that's a very it's a very astute observation it's a very good observation i like that 
Oh, that's a strong one. I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> um, wow. That's, that was very, very good. Um, yeah, um, for me, the, uh, the worship of money has become so prevalent nowadays that a lot of people think that they're worshiping God when they get money by doing specific things. So for me, I grew up in a denomination of Christianity called Evangelical Free. So to grossly oversimplify, take typical standard evangelical Christianity, um, which is all about you know going out there, proselytizing, yeah. all that. Uh, EV Free Christians aren't about organized proselytizing per se. They're more about uh, demonstrative proselytizing. So they will go out have a good life, be good people, have good friends and be successful and just, just, you know, do themselves while maintaining that close relationship with God. And then when somebody comes up to you and asks you, Hey, you have all this success and all this good stuff in life. Where does that come from? And that's when you pre begin bringing them to the word. That's, that's the denomination I came from. That's pretty they cool. Operate like that. It is pretty cool at first, but then what ends up happening is you get people who are so focused on personal success and trying to make God see their personal success as some sort of virtue. You can't change the way God views you. Right. Uh, you end up getting people who, who are trying to control God back. And it just doesn't work. Uh, you end up having people who commit crimes or they, you know, they just, you know, dick over people for no reason. They, uh, do back to back to back sermons week after week about tithing just to make a little bit extra money. They, uh, tell people that if you give to us, you will get yours back from the Lord. Like that's, that's not yeah. how it works. That's you don't just scamming. There is to be no one between you and God. There's no one. There's no way to the Father except through the teachings of Jesus. There is no man who stands between us and the Father. Absolutely. Jesus is no man. He was the Father Himself, brought down to exact the word of the Old Testament in the New Testament, and not to contradict it or override it, but to exact it as how it's supposed to be interpreted. To fulfill it. To truly fulfill the Old Testament in the in the prophecy, yes, um, it's 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 just absolutely amazing what the links that these people will go to for their own personal gain, and I think that's part of what makes them the body of the Antichrist. Yeah, I I think it's interesting. I mean the the idea of being being the best version of yourself and trying to you know stand out as as a Christian as a way to spread the word like that in itself, there's nothing wrong with that, but it depends on how are you defining your success? If you exactly. just like, cause being rich is a success in some ways, but that that's a, it's a success in terms of material wealth. It's not a success in terms of, you know, spiritual wealth, right? It is easier to f go for a, uh, <laughs> a uh, camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom. Yeah. Yep. 100 percent um we have those people so we have these prosperity people so they're ruining the christian side on that perspective but then uh sherry brought up something yesterday and that actually helped uh me make more ideas for this podcast <laughs> for this episode uh she brought up christostatists so these aren't necessarily prosperity types these aren't ev freeze with the wrong uh with the wrong interpretation they're not uh just crazies these are people 
who are going out of their way actively to use the word of the Lord to their own gain. Talk a little about that. Yeah, I think it's it's always weird because there's they're going to have like cherry picked verses that they're gonna pick out to yeah. to justify their views, right? And they never, you know, take anything like in the full context. It it's always they they pick a verse or two that they like and they use it to justify whatever forceful, violent opinions they may hold. And yes. And when it comes to there's obviously people like that who are just voters, but then what happens is that there's politicians like that as well. And they love to, you know, abuse the word or or um you know, almost use it to make themselves look better like as as a popularity contest thing without actually, you know, practicing what they preach, right? Yes, exactly. And they'll end up uh, misinterpreting the word or making other people misinterpret the word because of that. And it's very damaging. It I is. think a, a lot of this is is how we got to this point. I'm, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the amount of changes that have happened in the Bible, um, but there have been a lot of just uh, uh, linguistic changes over the years just through translation, retranslation. Yeah. Um, it, was tra- it was passed down for years by just you know, hand copies and, you know, people make spelling mistakes. People make slight mistranslations. There's even, uh, at one point where, um, when you're reading, if you're ever reading the old Masoretic texts and you're looking at the, uh, the side notes, you read one version and it has, uh, it has, uh, what was it? It was Jesus. It was something about, uh, Jesus. God, I can't remember exactly what it was. But anyway, the uh, one priest changed it from one year to another, and then a second priest noticed that mistake and changed it back to the original. And then a fourth priest saw that change and then mocked that third guy who was fixing it properly in the margins and said, keep the original translation, idiot. (laughs) And he's supporting a mistranslation. That's wild. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff like that all over the Bible, and what it's ended up doing is end up changing some of these verses outright. Yeah, that's why you can't just look at singular cherry-picked verses, and and like just the fact that you know we're in a completely different language. What I what I always try to do is if if I'm looking at a verse, first off, like most important, one of the most important things about any verse in the Bible is the context around it. Yes, right? the and, chapter. <laughs> yeah, and. Also, like, if if there's multiple potential interpretations, what I try to do is stick with the interpretation that most aligns with the things we know for sure about God. Yes. Yes, that's that's a very strong one. For me, I like I like delving into the language. I like delving into the linguistic origins. So I don't know if you've ever seen me post about it, but uh, I post about the type of Bible I read from. I don't read from like an NIV or a KJV or anything like that or any, you know, NKV, none of that. I do the interlinear edition, um, which you go down it and it'll have obviously the verse and everything, the original text with the original language. So Greek, Aramaic, Hebrew, whatever have you. Yeah. Um, And then it'll also have the direct translation below it, uh, an English uh, direct translation that preserves the original grammar, doesn't change the order of the words, nothing. It shows you the type of speech uh, from a grammatical perspective. 
And then uh, the original word in whatever language is clickable. And if you click it, you go to every instance of that word and its iterations through the Bible. That's pretty cool. So that's, yeah, that's got to be a really good way to, you know, like preserve the original intent of the words so it can't yes. get bastardized over time. Absolutely. So uh, it, it ends up being that Christian mysticism, which is the brand of Christianity I, I follow, um, ends up kind of being inspired by the Ellicinian mysteries. And it ends up being uh, partially uh, inspired by, and a lot of people gasp when I say this, but uh, fucking evolutionary biology. Yeah. Um, it applies to language. It applies to so- social groups. It applies to religions. And so, in my opinion, the Bible is the word of God, not by his, uh, not by him writing it, but by him filtering the incorrectness out of it over time. These are stories that have survived over time. um, I agree with that. Filtered out by him. Um, Wow, I got off topic there. (laughs) Um, Sorry, um, we were just getting at, um, oh yeah, Christosadism. Um, So these uh, people, they'll take verses like Romans 13, 6. This is why you pay taxes. Um, uh, Verses that are about obeying your slave master, etc. They they don't understand that these are metaphors. These are brought through metaphorical speech, through metaphorical time. And in a lot of ways, they're survival guides. Um, Take Job, for example. Well, like, for example, Romans is obviously, I mean, Romans was specifically directed at the roman churches right exactly exactly did not get killed by the romans that's exactly right it's literally a survival guide uh same thing with a lot of people i a lot of christians even other fellow christian mystics find this one controversial for me but in my opinion job is a medical text not a religious text Hmm. or at least all of the edicts that god preaches down in job Think about it. It's let's here. Avoid butt sex. You'll get shit, dick, and die. Um, that you know, uh, in the original language, it doesn't say homosexuals should be killed for laying with another man. It says that they should be that they will surely die. That language I've doesn't never thought imply. About that, but yeah, yeah, I think you're onto something. So it's a it's a survival thing you know think about uh it's it's a survival text for people who only understand uh religious speech when it comes to death and they don't understand germ theory it ends up being a medical text that helps them survive over time they're not eating pigs and crustaceans which are both bottom feeders that have lots of parasites which if you undercook you will get the parasites and die you're not getting shit dick and dying. And that's also why they never really mention anything directly about a woman laying with a, lo- a woman. There aren't really any specific STDs that are that are associated with that. It's never mentioned in the Bible. Or not not directly as a sin. Um, I think you're so, onto something here. I really do. Yeah, thank you. Um so that's that's one of my perspectives is that there it's a it's more of a medical text and if you look at the original text it seems more accurate like you look at um they say that when your woman's on her time a month exile her in the King James version like holy shit exile her <laughs> I think it's just setting up the original law of quarantine she has blood coming out of her if she has a blood disease and you touch it 
and you don't know what germs are, so you don't know what to, you know, you don't know to wash your hands. You're going to eat something. You're going to get her bloodborne pathogen and die. Yeah. I I have really never thought about it like that, but yeah, I think you're right. Um and so thank you. Um a lot of these um come from Christian apologetics. Um, a little bit of com- combination from Christian apologetics, the Eleusinian mysteries, which have some psychedelic origins. So um, I don't know how familiar you are, but uh, back in Eleusis in Greece, there were uh, basically uh, people would travel from all over. Greek philosophers and whatnot would go there, have a drink called Soma, which you were only had to have, allowed to have once in your lifetime. Um, you'd have a crazy psychedelic trip. There's even an inscription over a temple there that says, if you die before you die, when you die, you won't die. Um, And after a lot of research, uh, I'm not the only one who thinks this. Basically, every Christian mystic believes this. Those mysteries ended up becoming some of the rituals that we perform to this day, such as prayer baptism at the end of malachi when uh he's he's standing in that the temple full of smoke right before the doors close that's acacia wood that they would have been burning that would have been rich in dmt that's right i'm going full joe rogan on this podcast uh (laughs) i don't mind (laughs) um the uh the christian mystic perspective is that all of these have been lost over time they used to be some sort of mystical or psychedelic or you know some way to induce a mystical experience i don't know if you've done if you've tried the fasting side of christianity yet but you hit day 3 or 4 of fasting it's there's some psych, there's some psychology going on there there's some psychedelic shit going on there you'll have just random epiphanies out of nowhere after like after you like pass 72 hours of fasting it's 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 very uh very interesting it's very uh jarring when you first experience it and um when you first see these things and you like follow the origins of christianity back to like pre-judaism mushroom cults and shit like that it, it goes really far back that's from a john marco allegro book uh jesus and the mushroom or something like that um huh. That's quite interesting. Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. That's the one. There's a lot of ancient Christian imagery that has them associated with mushrooms. Um, Some uh, interpretations of the word mana uh, equate it with mushrooms. So imagine, you you know, you just get up in the morning in the middle of Egypt and there's mushrooms growing out of the ground. Mana from heaven. Um... These these verses have all been misinterpreted over time. It's basically what I'm getting at. And There's it goes a lot of ev- things have been misinterpreted over time. Yes. Um the biggest one even is Genesis one one even has a misinterpretation in it. Um in the Christian mystic perspective and in the Christian apolo- apologetics perspective, um the Bible does not begin with in the beginning. The Bible begins with when. It begins with when God created the heavens and the earth. Not in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It is a detailing. These are what God did when the earth started. Not in the beginning this is what happened. Um, and to give or to to create uh, is also a term which is more closely defined as uh, to give purpose to. 
or to speak purpose into. So when God spoke purpose into the heavens and the earth is the, the Christian mystic retranslation of the first verse of the Bible. Huh. I'll, I'll definitely have to have to talk to you more about these sorts of things. Cause, cause I, like, I know there's so many different translations of all these things and a um, lot of them just aren't historical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really good YouTube channel called uh, inspiring philosophy you might be interested they talk about this stuff a lot or he's talks about well, this check stuff that out yeah he's pretty good um but anyway what these mis- misinterpretations have done is they've gotten us further and further away from god so just like samuel 8 first samuel 8 when you know the people go to samuel and say we want a king and god says uh that is a rejection of me not just the judge system when he when your king oppresses you in all these ways and you cry out that he's oppressing you i will not hear you because you rejected me um that is the core of christian anarchism and that has been completely flouted i had an argument not too long ago with a with a christo statist a christian who worships the state and uh he was saying that uh, oh you it's uh, saying that it was bad when everyone was living according to their own uh, – everyone did as they pleased before in the book of Judges. Um, he's, he tried saying that, that the Bible is framing that as a bad thing. In no place is the Bi- does the Bible frame the fact that everyone did as they pleased in the Hebrew tribe before the king uh, as, as a bad thing. In no place. In fact, quite the opposite. It describes getting away from everyone living as they please and living under the rule of a king as being getting away from God. That's interesting. There's a there's quite a bit of misinterpretations there's, that have been happening. There's misinterpretation and there's mental gymnastics that the Christos status have to do. But do you know what I think might be the worst thing they do? And I don't even know where it comes from. Since when did Christianity and mainstream culture get associated with like American jingoism? Yes, yes. Where does that even come from? Like, where in the Bible does it say to be nationalist? Nowhere, absolutely nowhere. It doesn't say be proud of the land from which you're born. It says it. It says that pride is a sin. Pride is a sin, whether it's for your nation, whether it's for an ideology. Pride is a sin. The only pride one should take uh, is with themselves only, and that is with the satisfaction of a job well done. That's about the only pride that doesn't seem to be admonished in the Bible, is satisfaction with a job well done. Yeah, so I... Do you do you know where like that came from the sort of association between Christianity and like American nationalism? I really don't know like where that comes from or what I possibly think, what even verse got misinterpreted for that. I think it comes out from the 1950s. Um just like I, Cold I don't, War propaganda stuff. Uh yeah, 1950s, 1940s, post World War II. There was a lot of death in World War II, obviously, and people were still dealing with that in the 1950s, you know lost family members and whatnot so there was a huge outcry and desperation for religion um 
to to help ease emotional worries. So that yeah. definitely spiked up the desire of people to latch on to religious language. And then all it takes is for uh, any type of politician to become a Christostatist. All they have to do is use the fact that they're a Christian to get votes and get power. Um, and then any vote that any verse that they use in their own favor will be, continue to be misinterpreted that way. So the reason yeah. I think it came up in the 50s, the reason I think the 50s specifically is when it came up, is you had the Cold War, which was intensely non-religious uh, in, in Russia, versus the United States, which was you know fairly Christian right after World War II. They just got, we just got done being the Christians that beat down the Nazis or whatever. Um, it's funny though because like. The Russians are generally Christian. Yeah, yeah, generally. <laughs> uh, Soviet Soviet Russians, it was it was a hit or miss. Um, Soviet yeah, I mean, R- Russians, was, they weren't really allowed to speak by people much. like Stalin. But. Exactly, they weren't really allowed to speak much about it, so they didn't they didn't have too much of a choice. But to like show Orthodoxy <laughs> survived in Russia. Like go yeah. to Russia, like guaranteed yeah. ton of Christians there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, nowadays, yeah, but back during World War II, the the state itself in in the the CCCP, the USSR, um, they uh, they were definitely a lot more uh, a lot more non-religious, a lot more secular, just not not considering any sort of faith or morality and things. It, it seems to be just using a flat litmus test of quote unquote equality. Um, that 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 ended up creating a different type of hierarchy. And the one that was established in the United States uh, up until that point had been mostly Christians. There were obviously, you know, all sorts of faiths through the U S basically the entire time it existed, but it was for the most part, majority Christian. So yeah. when you have the chance to use that to your advantage in politics and you're able to use it to your advantage in war hawking, you can really get some massive votes by your side. And it's like First Samuel said, people want a king. People want a ruler. People want somebody to tell them what to do, tell them how to live their lives until it hurts them. Um, and what happened here is people are wanting and wanting and wanting and just continue to not realize that that these people are taking from them to, to give them other things. It's a worship of the state. It's a, it's a, God is supposed to be the one saving us from tragedy, not the state or your fellow man. If you're, if you're with good people should be protecting you and saving you from evil, not the state. The state is the government beating up one person to help another. It's not, it's a non-Christian thing. It is fundamentally non-Christian and Tolstoy talks quite a bit about that actually. Yeah. That's kind of his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. What else is going on? So I think we've hit everything for the actual false profiteering for the most part. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add or any questions you you, you have. I don't know. It, it's still just mind-boggling how someone can be a Christian and a nationalist at the same time. It just does not make sense to me. But I don't think yeah. I'll ever understand it. <laughs> How can you serve both God and the state at the same time? Like, yeah, I love God, but I love America more. Yeah, okay, buddy. It, yeah, exactly. Like, it's one thing to 
it's one thing to to force your own opinions on another person it's another to use god as the excuse for doing it yeah i i, I have more respect for an atheist statist who just wants to wants to help people because he's naive and thinks that get, getting government funding isn't hurting people to help other people fucking fine whatever um but as a christian if you've read the bible and you've gone through samuel you know the truth you know what happens by supporting that and in the bible it basically only lays out two things that are okay to support from the government one paying your taxes in the case of public good and two punishing wrongdoers evildoers that's it that's the only thing that the Bible ever directly advocates from any form of state. And the rest of the time, it doesn't even advocate for there to be a state at all. In fact, it's anti-prison. It's anti-long-term uh, punishment. It's anti... It, it's even, to a certain degree, anti-exile, unless someone really fucks up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad. It's really sad to see how... And, and there's nothing changed. about nationalism. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing about the nation from which you're born. Nothing about the land from which you step. Nothing. Uh, maybe a little bit of 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 Judeo nationalism. Maybe, but that that doesn't apply to America then. Yeah. <laughs> so what the North hell? America is somehow Israel. <laughs> God, wouldn't that be one hell of a thing, huh? <laughs> I think there's a high likelihood that we are uh, Babylon in the Bible. We're the recreation What of makes Babylon. you think that? I'm interested. I think that we are the most hedonistic of all of the nations. And that is what Babylon was known for back in its day, was hedonism. And and pleasure and and the uh and here's I the other so. big one. The uh the association of traditionally seen good acts with being traditionally evil act with you know being seen as now evil acts that's something that's happening more in america than i think any other nation on earth yeah and in america our hedonism at this point mostly takes the form of consumerism right yep yep and most people know how much i hate consumerism it's basically the only thing i hate about capitalism if i could have capitalism without consumerism i'd be a pretty happy guy personally um, yeah, I'm I'm generally pro market anti capitalism for what it's worth. Yeah, yep, me too. Um, based Gator, um, <laughs> as, as I like to post the picture of um, the uh, yeah consumerism. I think lefties have the wrong argument. Argument they like to focus on the oh you're not giving people their minimum or you're not treating people equally. I don't think that that's the right way to look at it I th or the right critique to give capitalism. I think the right critique from capitalism I was posting about earlier today, it's uh, focusing on wanton consumerism, which is basically completely impossible to abate in capitalism, even free market capitalism. Yeah. It's all focused around that profit. It's all focused around the worship of money. It's Absolutely. all focused around that's, the worship. That's what I was talking about earlier. People these days worship money, and you could say maybe a capitalist system makes it hard to survive without worshiping money. But I I would disagree there. I mean, you can yeah, you can live in a capitalist society, use money, meet your needs, live comfortably, not lavishly, but comfortably without yeah. worshiping money. Yeah, I mean, 
we live in a time period where it's easier than ever to make very little money or not very little, but relatively little money compared to a lot of people around you and live in pretty damn decent conditions all said and done. Like even our homeless in the United States live better, more lavish lives than people with homes in third world countries. Yeah, but at the end of the day, what matters most is human happiness. Yeah. I, to me, at least. Like I, like your material condition is whatever it may be, and it's going to impact your happiness. But your happiness shouldn't be completely tied to it. And I think that's um, – what's the verse in, in uh, Philippians that everyone always cites? Um, about, Learn for yourself? No, the one – Oh, no, that's, a, that's Ephesians. The one Tim Tebow had on his eye black. Oh, um, I, I, that, that's going to be all you. I don't know uh... – 413, I think. I Googled it. Yeah, Philippians, I, I think so. 413. Yeah, it's 413. Um, uh, I'll just like, read the NIV like If you look version. at the context I can do of that verse, all this through about, him who gives me strength. It's not about like being good at football. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the context of that verse, it's it's about happiness. It's about it's about how you can you can be happy regardless of your circumstances if you like actually read Philippians 4. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's actually some very similar parallel teachings from the Buddha on that one. Um, the uh, the idea that happiness uh, comes from within. It, it's not something that's given to you. It's not something supplied to you. Uh, the Buddha comes with a similar perspective at it. He says, uh, suffering is an option, even though pain is not. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with that idea, I think. It's the, I think it's this, this, both religions get at the same ideas very frequently, Buddhism and Christianity. I'm actually very surprised how often they line up with each other more. That is interesting. But yeah, I, I really think people are far too focused on idolizing their money, their physical wealth, their possessions, mm-hmm. their, or their possessions on here that they're, that they're ignoring, you know, their possessions in heaven. Yep, exactly. Um, that that's really what it is. It's not it's not paying attention to the kingdom of heaven, even though you're supposed to be a Christian. Yeah, happiness doesn't come to... from having a Lamborghini, you know. Exactly, or or six new Lamborghinis on six new Hollywood Hills. <laughs> Sorry, old, old meme, Ty Lopez memes. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of that corruption going around, and it's not just the worship of the money itself. It's the wor- It's also the worship of other people who worship that money. Yeah, you see the that celebrities and whatnot. Yeah, it's you see that everywhere right now. Oh my gosh! Or even negative worship. You know, in the in the Bible, it they talk about. Um, I, I forget exactly where it is. I believe it's early on in 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 the old testament there's talk of there are religions where there are evil gods within those religions and people were in the bible worship evil gods they go out of their way to worship evil gods you know like a freaking video game character um and it's the same sort of thing it's the same it's it's idolatry of of something that isn't god um that's that's proposing to be a good person or proposing to be godly or proposing to be beneficial or better for humanity or whatever whatever buzzword they want to call it and they just 
I don't know, man. They just take and take and take, and they keep lying, and they keep misinterpreting. They t- keep taking the word of the God of God as their own, and it's it's heartbreaking, man. It is. And how are, how are we gonna keep people from from seeing the li- from from believing the lies and seeing the truth instead? Because the tr- as the Bible says, the truth will set you free. But it's hard. There's a lot. There's a lot of things culturally that have just completely gone wrong and a lot of it has to do with misinterpretations of the bible it's it's really difficult but like um matthew 7 13 14 right says that that the uh i'll I'll pull up the exact wording right now yeah sure matthew 7 like uh, it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, like, I think in some ways, it's kind of always going to be the case that the majority of people are going to just lead themselves into destruction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's only so much we can do about it. Yeah, there's, there are only, you can only, you can only train a, a student who will listen. You can only bring, you can bring a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, we can give them all the information we can. We can give them all, everything that we know is true. And if they won't listen, then that's on them, unfortunately. Yep. Um, but I just wish that there's something more we could do to, on a certain level, I wish there's something more we could do to reduce the power of these types. But I feel like if you were any any method by which it could be done, it would get taken advantage of in in the other direction anyway. So yeah, the only thing left to do, I guess, is <sighs> say it for yourself for everyone. Yeah, because whenever whenever you try to organize something large like that, like revolutions get taken over by the power hungry. Exactly. Like, look at the Russian Revolution. Originally, it was great revolting against the Tsar, but then look what the Bolsheviks did. Yep, exactly. Exactly. They basically destroyed the people just as hard as the Tsar was without right. giving them their own personal autonomy like he was. Yeah, or, or the American Revolution, where, you know, the supposedly anti-government revolution against the monarchy ended up turning into what we have now, and... Even at the time, it still had slavery. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very... Um, I like to put it this way. Um, th- this is one of the reasons I don't like t- I don't like ANCOMs. I call them crypto tankies. Um, the problem is, when you're a collective and you're fighting together against a thing, when you're done fighting and there's no more fight to have with the thing you mutually dislike together... There's no one to fight but each other, and the person who's going to be the best at organizing is going to be the biggest authoritarian in the room. So every yeah, ANCOM I mean, always ends up I, making... I think that varies by ANCOMs. I, I think there's some pretty awesome ANCOMs, and I think there's some pretty shitty ones, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Always. <laughs> the, the ones the ones who try to align with the Marxist-Leninists, like, it's, history's going to repeat itself. Yep, They're going to exactly. backstab you. They're going to kill you modern ones if they're like philly anarchists where they're the extreme individualist ancom type fine 
I'll yeah, deal with I, you. Yeah, I vibe with those guys. But uh, if it's like some fucking anarcho collectivist, like dude, who makes up the collective? Individuals? Uh, which yeah, one's more granule? Yeah, the ancoms that I tend to respect are the ones who understand that anarchism in general, all schools of it, is individualist in nature. Yes, exactly. A lot of that individualism is being thrown to the wayside by anarchists, too, and that's that's making me sad. Like, even some people who are calling themselves ANCAPs, they're just out there simping a company. Simping a company or simping a covenant community, mm-hmm. which is basically a fucking HOA. <laughs> Yeah. Like, come actually. on, bro. HOAs are bad. This should be <laughs> common knowledge. No, nah, no, nah, it's okay. I signed a contract instead of uh, being part of a country for this one. So that means it's okay, right? Yep. <laughs> and obviously, because I signed a contract that excludes, that says no black people are allowed in the community, obviously that means it applies, even though the black people didn't sign it. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you, Hop. <laughs> Hop. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they're fun. Um, so we are nearing the end of our time here, Dom. Um, so for the last bit, are there any messages you'd like to put out there for the listeners? Or if there happen to be any of these false profiteers out here, um, do you have anything specific you'd like to say to them? Uh, I can't really think of anything other than like, I, I don't see how one can be a Christian and a nationalist. So if if you think you fall into both of those categories, I think you should really reconsider that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. If, if you think that you are standing behind God, but you consider yourself a nationalist, you consider yourself a, a Republican, a Democrat, a whatever, p- patriot even, even just a patriot, not just a nationalist, it's still all the same sort of idea. It is a worshipful ideal that takes over the Christian mindset and bends it towards the will of the state instead of the will of God. It has gotten us further and further away from God every step of the way. And I hope that if any of them ever hear this and listen and realize that some of the things that they've been thinking have not quite lined up with the thing they're claiming to believe, that maybe they'll look into some Tolstoy or they'll look into some Ellicinian mysteries or whatever Christian apologetics, maybe just actually read the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that may be, you know, I I just hope that they look into it, that they give it a shot, that they give it a view without, without too much judgment from their own, you know? Yeah. Well, Dom, thank you very much for having on, uh, hopping on. Um, can you let my reader, or sorry, listeners know uh, where they can find you, what projects you're working on, and stuff like that? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at Voluntary Dom. Um, I, I tweet about all sorts of things, but those things do include Christianity and anarchism. Yep. Um, he, he's a big sports ball poster. Yep, I, I do post about sports. and yeah i mean i'm always down for conversations about these types of things Uh, my dms are open um anyone ever wants to talk to me about any of these things things we discussed on this podcast or not um you know where to find me yeah awesome thank you very much dom and for everyone else this is awe you can find follow me on youtube or on uh twitter at at O-E-U-I underscore live. Um, or you can just go to my website, oeui.live.com. 
or sorry, no.com, just OEUI.live. I can't believe I just did that. Um, <laughs> um, you can follow me there. We are going to have multiple podcast episodes dropping soon. So thank you all very much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you and hate the Antichrist. <laughs>